God's holy word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Galatians chapter number five. We got two more weeks. I had no idea it was going to be this long when we started it, but hey, my goal was to start our summer campaign, and we're going to do that this Thursday. We've got the got tracks back there. We're going to start that this Thursday, our summer outreach, and uh, start our summer sermon series, but obviously the Lord had other plans because he kept giving me things to say, and so... Galatians chapter number five, verse number, well, we're going to look at the first six verses. I think I'm going to turn on the air next week. I'm hot. All right, Galatians first. Six verses. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Verse number seven, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we're thankful that I know we got back to church uh, last week. Some churches are getting back this week, and Lord, as churches get back to in-person, Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, we're thankful for the president taking a stand, Lord. We just pray that uh, governors would follow suit and uh, we can get back to life as normal as possible, Lord. Well, Lord, we beg you to meet with us this morning, dear Lord. We need your presence. Uh, we hope that you'll be honored and glorified, Lord. We ask all these things, your name. Amen. I don't know if you guys were, were uh, keeping track or not on uh, line or not, but I, uh, I've been so excited about today's sermon for months. This may be my favorite one in the series. I know I say that just about every week, right? Okay. But it took Paul five chapters to get to this. This is the apex of Galatians. This is what it's all about. It took us, was it five months to get here? Last week we learned the importance, and maybe I should have done last week, this week, I don't know, but switched them around. But last week we learned the importance of why we have to stay in fast. Can't let the devil push us around. Uh, can't let the devil and the people bribe us into leaving. It says in verse number one, stand fast in the liberty. This week we're going to, why? Why is it so important? And like I said, obviously the Lord knows it's Memorial Day. Freedom isn't free. Uh, we all we all know the the cool quotes probably that those that that give up liberty for safety deserve none, and these are just the ones that are bouncing around in my head with the current situation we find ourselves in. To live by works is having an employee employer relationship with God. God, I, I, I did everything that your, the Bible tells me to do. Why are you letting these bad things happen to me? You're, I mean, we hear people ask, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And it's because they look at relationship, or they don't have a relationship with a guy, but they look at church and God as an employee-employer relationship. You, you go to work, you do what your boss tells you to do, even though you don't like it. You get paid for it. So we look at it and say, okay, God, I don't, I don't want to do these things that you tell me that I have to do. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. 
so I can get a reward, so I can get payment. And that's a completely wrong way of looking at it. We would refer to that today as legalism. Then they referred to them as Judaizers. We look at God and say, I've been doing everything that you want me to do. Why are you letting this happen to me? I deserve better. I deserve better. No, the truth of the matter is, is you deserve hell just like I do. <laughs> you, don't, you don't deserve better. You know, God gives you better, but you don't deserve it. Works of the law produce nothing. And I, I, again, we're doing a, a brief review because this is the apex things that we've already gone over. Works of the law produce nothing. We're dead to the law. Once you get saved, the only purpose of the law was to show you that you needed salvation. And when you're stuck in the law too long, you get grouchy and grumpy. The works of the law produce nothing. And I think everyone in most Bible-preaching churches would say they believe that. But our actions many times speak vastly different. So we need to stop acting that way. Faith excludes works. Again, back in chapter number one, no other gospel, that's the... Uh, title of the series, No Other Gospel. Any time that we even look like we might be adding works to anything that has to do with the work of God in us, we're starting to preach another gospel. We can't do that. See, God doesn't need us. We, we, we get this mentality many times that, oh, God needs me. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need me. We desperately need God. See, God is the skilled workman. In the beginning, God created. God is the skilled workman. He's so skilled that he can use his words to create everything you see. He didn't even have to use his hands or his tools. He can just speak it into existence. So let God do his work. I saw, I, th I think it was yesterday, Kendra went to visit uh, friends of down in Rockville. And uh, they get together, well, I don't know, a couple times a year. But anyway, and I, I saw a quote, and it really jumped out. I, I posted it on the church page. Quit focusing on the battle you want to win for God and start focusing on the battle God wants you to win. Stop, stop fighting for what you want to win for God and start focusing on what God wants you to win. Verse number one, it says, God freed us. But why did God free us? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke. Of bondage. Why did God make us free? Can I? This, this may shock some of you, but God didn't make you free so you could serve Him. Now He wants you to, but that's not why God made you free. God didn't make you free so you could do things for Him. God didn't make you free for any other reason but for this. Are you ready for it? God made you free so you could be free. Genesis 1, wait, wait, God, made, God said, I want, I want somebody who has the freedom to do what they're supposed to do, not somebody that I have to make do what they're supposed to do. Christ made us free so we could be free. Paul says, I've, I've proved my case. In the first four chapters, I've explained things to you. I showed things to you. And so this is Paul's closing argument. He says, it's like he's a lawyer. I'm going to rest. 
This is my closing argument. He made you free so you could be free. Chapter number one, we learned what the gospel was. Chapter number two, he gets the endorsements of the apostles and that death releases us from the law. Chapter number three, the law could never save. And he uses Abraham as an example. Chapter number four, he tells us about, he uses the example of being in a family. That you get all the rights and responsibilities of a grown adult the moment that you get saved. See, the freedom that grace gives us is immediate. And it always has been. It's not some progressive thing where you got to work to, I mean, as you, those of you that have raised kids or raising kids, as they get older, you give them a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more freedom. Unfortunately, that's not how God works. God says, here, you've got it. The moment you got saved, you've got all the freedom you could ever get. Now you need to read the Bible and you need to listen to people smarter than you so you what? Don't abuse the freedom. It's not the freedom to sin, it's the freedom from sin. And if there's anything that the, the we keep talking about the pendulum, on the one side, they always say, well, I found my freedom, I found my liberty, and, nah, 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 nah. and listen, it's not freedom to do what you want, it's freedom to do what he wants. It's not freedom to do sin, it's freedom from sin. It has no more power over you. Behavior modification is what the law brings. Our behavior doesn't need to be modified. What does the Bible say? We're a new creature. We don't change anything. Well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You've heard me say it. Have you ever looked at an underside of a leaf? It's nasty. Dirty, moldy, bugs. I don't want it. Don't, don't, don't turn over a new leaf, please. He's talking to the Greeks. There's something that we don't, in America, we don't fully grasp or understand. But he's talking to the Greeks, the Romans. Even today, many times. Oh, I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself. Liberty can only be obtained one way. And he's talking to the Greeks. He's using this as an example. Liberty can only be obtained one way. Normally, a Greek slash Roman citizen at any moment could be enslaved by Caesar. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but at any moment, Caesar could say, no, you're, you're my slave. This is true. Believe it or not, this is still true in a lot of Europe. Did you? At any moment, the Queen of England can say any person under in that's British nationality, nope, you're not free anymore. That's still on the books. Last time I knew. Norway's Norway's government is get the this is the most confusing government you've ever heard in your life. It's a democratic social monarch. Now figure that one out. <laughs> but the king of Norway owns everything. You don't own your house in Norway. You don't own your land in Norway. He owns everything. And I realize that we're talking 500, 6, 7, 800 years ago. He decided that he's going to give Parcels, large parcels of land to uh, the knights and the nobles and uh, those people. And those, and those people would divide up their land and give it to their family, to their kids, so on and so forth. You can't buy, I promise you, you can't buy land in Norway. It's all gone. It's, you can't. 
But at any given moment, he can cash in the chips and says, no, it's all mine. I'm kicking you all out. You're all my slaves, whatever. Listen. And so when Paul is talking to them, they understand this. So when Paul is saying, Christ has given you freedom, and we're going to get to why this is probably my favorite sermon in the series here in a second, but I've got to build up to it. The only way for freedom, remember the Greeks have all those gods. Aphrodite, and I can't even think of them all. It was Thor, one of them. I'm, trying, I'm going through my mind of all the Marvel movies because I know some of them are named after them. All of those Greek gods and goddesses. The only way that you could be free is for a god to buy you through a mediator. And you would go to the temple. And on the document that says you're free, they would stamp on it for freedom. And for the rest of your life, not even Caesar could enslave you. Are you as excited as I am? A, not a God, the God bought me. And I can never be enslaved again. Do you grasp it? This is what Paul is trying to get across to them. Hey, you don't have to be anymore. You're free. He bought you for the simple purpose of freedom. God made you free. So you could be free. I've been paid for by God. Now ask yourself this question. For me to become what God wants me to be, become, I've got to follow all these rules and lists and checklists and when you grasp it. Remember, that's when Paul came along and said, hey, started a church, won people the Lord, all that wonderful stuff, and he left. The Judaizers came in and started teaching them things, and the bottom line is this, you guys never got it. So I got to come back. Because once you get it, you got it. How in the world do you want to go? How do you want to go back to those, those pagan rituals? And why do you want to take on things that were never supposed to be for you? I, can I talk to the men in here just real quick? If you didn't have to be circumcised, would you want to be circumcised? I'm just saying. Why would you want to do that? It doesn't make any sense. See, the root of legalism is the belief that it's up to me to meet God's expectations. Whether before or after salvation. It's not up to you. You're already free. I know I said it before, God doesn't love you. He's, he can't love you anymore. Or you, oh, you're going to work for God's love. No, you don't have to work for God's love. You already got it all. You work because God loves you. And again, I've, I've said it before, the, the, probably the most dangerous thing is this, is that on the outside it looks very similar between, well, living the way that God wants you to live because you love him and living the way that God wants you to live because he's making you. It looks very similar on the outside, but what? God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. And that is completely different. Verse number two. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, 
nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. We are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. When we go back and we try to take responsibility, we hinder what God wants to do in us. That can only be done through faith. For those of us that have been saved a long time in our life, if you had control of your life, would you be where you're at today? There's probably not one of us that would say so. No. I was teasing Kendra the other day about something. She's like, that's you, not me. And it's true. But it's not even me. It's him. The way, the way, the way I would want to go in my life is not the same way that I, he would want me to go in his life. Even when I'm reading this, it's still not the same. And the moment that we start trying to take responsibilities that's not ours to take. We're taking power away from God. Think about that for a second. Almighty, all-powerful God can be rendered useless by our desires. See, circumcision in the Old Testament represented the way that one enters into a covenant with God under the law. If you, if, if the Midianites and all of those people, if any, one, if any one of them wanted to become a Jew, they could. But one of the things they would have to do is they would have to get circumcised. Why? Because that's what the law required. And so it was a picture of entering into a covenant with God under the law. It was never about taking salvation. Can I tell you something? God's never going to do the work while we're trying to do it. God's never going to... Listen, be, we, we, we love the verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. God's not going to force you to get saved if you don't want to get saved. Same thing's true after salvation. He's the same God. He doesn't change... If you're trying to do it, he's going to be okay. Fine, try it. You have a free- I gave you some 10,000 years ago humanity a free will. If you want to try it, try it. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force you to get saved. I'm not going to force you to try and change. You're going to fall and fail miserably. But if you want to try it, try it. So the law became more about who they were. I'm a Jew. I mean, you read the Gospels. Jews thought pretty highly of themselves. We're God's chosen people. I mean, look look at our history for all these years. I mean, we, we, we took down Pharaoh. We took down Nebuchadnezzar. And the list could go on and on and on. I mean, we, we took them down. Or somebody. And it became more about who they were. The law became their God. That's why Jesus was constantly getting in trouble for what healing people on the Sabbath day. You can't, you can't, how dare you help people on the Sabbath day? Who do you think you are? That's against the law. Law became their God. And that's why they couldn't let God do his work. They struggled with it. God's work is done while we follow him. Last Sunday night we talked about the, uh, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. It's not, it illuminates a lot right here, but the further down the path you get, it gets a little less illuminated. Look, God's not going to show you the whole thing. One step at a time. Why? Because if you knew where God was going to have you in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you'd never take that first step. I wouldn't. 
If I knew the things that God was going to be, hey, you're, you're, you, one day you're going to have to do this for me. No, I wouldn't. It ain't, it ain't happening. And I ain't walking. I ain't going down that road. We always talk about if, if it was up for to men to keep the population rate up, it wouldn't, yeah. It wouldn't happen. It ain't, I don't know. It ain't happening. You can forget that, as I refer to it. You ain't, I ain't pushing a bowling ball out of a straw. It's not happening. You can forget that. Same thing is true with, with God. God, if you, you really expect me to do that, it ain't happening. God's work is done as we follow him. It's not something we do. You've all, it's, it's, really, it's really famous at like vacation Bible school and youth conferences and maybe even Bible college, but you know, well, Scott, you better cut your hair. You better burn all your CDs. Have you ever tried to burn a CD? I mean, honestly, have you tried to burn, not in a computer, but I mean, stick it in a fire and try and burn a CD? It doesn't work. Literally. <coughs> I, know, I know figuratively what they're saying, but. You better drop all your friends. Listen. If you live for God the way that he wants you to live for your God, you don't have to drop your friends. Your friends will. The friends that don't want to be around, that don't want to be here to things of God, they'll drop you. You don't have to drop your friends. Again, we've got this idea. <laughs> Living in this present world. We got this idea that we, we can't live in the world. I hate to break it to you, but you're living in the world. Now, you're not, hopefully we're not worldly, but... We are living in the world. We are better affect the world for good. That's why church is essential. Suicide rates are through the roof right now. We're not, we're not supposed to be stuck inside. But if we're not affecting those around us, we're, not, we're so worried that the world's going to affect us. And I know I, I said this, but listen, Christ lives in us. Right, we're, we're saved. Christ lives in us. When he walked on this earth for 33 and a half years, did the world affect him? Did he ever sin? If we're living the way that God wants us to live, the world is not going to affect us. We are going to affect the world. Quit smoking, drinking. Don't date. Which, by the way, my daughter's not going to date until she's 25. You say, why? Because that's when her mom started dating. But why do we say that? Well, that's because that's what Christians do. That's what Christians do. Or don't do. Can I tell you, it's completely opposite to what the gospel says. Obviously, there's many of those things that we shouldn't do, but it's not because it's not what we do. It's because we love God. We love God. We trust God. Remember, I, I said it a few weeks ago. If you were as smart as God, you would want for you what God wants for you. If you were as smart as God, you would want for you what God wants for you. And he wants the best for us. Flip over to Romans. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable 
and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, accordingly as God hath dealt to every man measure of faith. We are to present ourselves to God, to allow God to do the work of transforming us. If we try to transform ourselves, it leads us to thinking more highly than we ought because we may, might, possibly, for a short period of time, succeed in some small way. Well, you know, before I got saved, you know, it, I smoked and I quit smoking. I quit smoking. I've, I've heard testimonies. Not the Lord helped me. I quit I, did it cold turkey and it was hard and I fought through it. And as Americans, you know, you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. God helps those who help themselves. All those cliche phrases, they ain't in there. Will we get prideful? Listen, you, you can ask Kendra, you can ask anybody that there's, there's some very well-known preachers. And I, I, there's just something that doesn't set well with me about them because they, they get a little prideful in their testimony. Well, I was, you know, all the way down here and I'm like, and I, and I, and I, and... Really? What are the... Get off the platform because it's my opinion. Are you even saved? Honestly, are you even saved when the eye comes out that much? I, I could be wrong. Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't judge people. But we can get we can get prideful if we're not careful. Think about this for a second. When Satan came to Eve in the garden, and we presume that he came to Adam first, but I know it doesn't say that, but we assume. And Adam and Eve sinned. What did Satan tempt them to do? To become like God. Pride. What did, what caused Lucifer to fall? I will be like God. Pride. Can I interject? Obviously, based on Scripture, we all want to know what the unpardonable sin is. Well, the unpardonable sin is dying without God, but what causes that? Unless you come as a little child, you can't get saved. It's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than it is for him to get saved. Pride. If there is one sin that is super close to the unpardonable sin, it's pride. There's one sin that leads to it at least. And when we start adding what we've done, to the gospel. It makes us prideful. I can make God look good. That's what we think. God needs us. I make God look good. See, we all know that good Christians don't do X, Y, and Z. And instead of growing close to God, we build fences. I read a book when I was in Bible college. And it was based on the Old Testament. And we, we talked about it, I know. Ten Commandments. They had a thousand laws. The Jews have a thousand laws that just have to do with the Sabbath day. There's nine, I want to say, Say, in the entire Old Testament, 963, I think, God-given commandments, laws, guidelines. But they had a thousand. 
just for the Sabbath day. But this, this book talks about how you keep building fences. They, see, what would happen is God would give them a law and the people would obey the law. They would fall away from God. They would disobey the law. So God would send them into bondage. They'd be in bondage from slavery for, for a little while. Then God would set them free and they would be like, okay, so we never go back. We're going to build fences around the laws that God gave us. Well, a few generations later, they forgot what was their protective fences and what was the laws of God. So they all became the laws of God. So they would add fences. And a few generations later, they'd forget. Until it got to the point where you couldn't even do something nice for somebody on the Sabbath day. Because it was against the law. See, (laughs) offense is capable of the level of Christianity most people are accustomed to. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't cross that line. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't cuss. Keep these things in. Keep these things out. God's not a fence. Chapter number four. He's our father. He's our father. He's not a fence. He wants a relationship with us. That's why he started this whole mess. And because he's our father, because your father has made you free, Paul says, now go out and live like it. Live like you're free. God's not about keeping us from doing wrong. He's about making us who we're supposed to be. So many times we look at this as a, well, this is a rule book for our life. And obviously there are are rules in here. There are commandments in here. I'm not saying they're not, but what I'm saying is this, this is not a rule book. This is a window into having a relationship with God. Why do, why do you read your Bible every day? So I know what to do and what not to do? Read your Bible every day so you have a relationship. If <laughs> Husbands, wives, kids, whatever. I know sometimes it'd be nice not to talk to one another. But it, long term... If you didn't talk to each other, you'd think there's something wrong. Well, I'm doing it. I mean, I, yeah, I don't talk to my husband. I do everything he wants me to do. So he, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't talk to my wife, but you know, when she nags me, I, I put it on the list and I make sure never to be nagged about it again. But I never talk to her. See, it's not just an instruction manual. Well, there are instructions in there. It's so much more than that. God wants something personal. He wants us. You know that poster of Uncle Sam? I want you. Picture God there. Here, if you want to do something for God... you really want to do something for God? Are you ready for it? To know God and to make him known. That's all he wants. I want you to know me and because you know me I want you to make him known to them. Why don't I go into a bar? Not because I, I ain't worried about you guys. Well, my pastor, did you see pastor? He was in a bar. You want to know why I don't go into a bar? Because what happens if they see me? You know, there, there are lots of people that would care less if they knew a pastor came out of a bar. I'm just being honest with you. 
But there are some people who would be like, but he's a pastor. What's he doing in there? I do, I mean, uh, tell me what's that guy. He used the bathroom. What was he doing coming out of there? And it hurts my testimony to make him known to them. That's right. That's the only reason. Everything that we do or don't do needs to come down to that. Does it cause us, does it help us to know God and to make him known? Look at verse number seven. Galatians, verse number seven. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? It's not our place to make people live the Christian life we think they should live. Because you, well, I know we looked at it before, the, the, the Judaizers that were telling the Galatians that they had to live a certain way, they weren't even living that way. The, the truth behold, that magical checklist that we have as Christians, we don't even keep it ourselves, if, if we're honest with ourselves. If we're honest about it. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all fail. We all stumble. And how would you feel if when you made your mistake, when you fell, when you stumbled, if someone looked at you and said, see, I told you you weren't saved. Because you didn't obey the rules. You're not saved. Verse number 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not that of liberty for occasion of the flesh, but by love to serve one another. 16, then I say, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 18, but if ye are led of the spirit, you are no longer under the law. We need to encourage people to walk with God. And he will get them to the point where he wants them to be. To do what he wants them to do. Christ has made you free. Do we grasp it? Do we even begin to understand what we do or don't do is never the point. Why? Because even your righteousness is as filthy rags. If what we did was the point, we'd all be in trouble. The point is the just shall live by faith. Everything we do has to be done in faith. I can't believe that that person did that. Did you see what Pastor did? I mean, Pastor was watching the football game and he did something stupid and he kicked the dog. I can't believe he did that. It's just a stupid football game. You have to take by faith when I tell you I made a mistake. I was wrong. I sinned. I'm not perfect, but I am saved. You've you got to take it by faith. Just like when you do something weird. You say, well, you know, I can't believe a Christian did that. You got to live by faith. You have to take it by faith. Start depending. Stop depending on you or even well-intentioned people. Start depending on Christ. I think I told you the story when I was in fifth grade. They had to get a new that math teacher. I don't quit and... I don't know what happened. She left. So the athletic director stepped in, decided to teach math. For whatever reason, they decided that fifth grade was the magic grade to start introducing letters into math. So when you, and it wasn't even algebra yet, they just wanted you to get used to seeing letters. So he was teaching us, and because he knew nothing, well intentioned, but knew nothing. A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, so on and so forth. So when I did get to real algebra, I'd get the wrong answer. 
took six months for, at that point in time, I was homeschooled, my dad, to get it out of me that you were taught wrong. Well-intentioned person taught you something, but it was wrong. Stop depending on them. It's about following Christ. It's about encouraging others to follow Christ. It's about sharing what Christ has done. What did Paul say? Paul says, I'm not going to pervert the gospel. I'm not going to frustrate the gospel. And when anything that is not of faith is sin, anything that is not of faith comes into the gospel, we've frustrated it. We've perverted it. You're free simply for the point of you can be free. You can do what you want to do. There's consequences for it. Listen. Novel concept I realize. While you were under the judgment of God for unrepentant sin, you're free to never repent of your sin. Consequences for that is you get to go to hell. God says you're free. You're free from that. Because you're free from that. Nothing else should have power over you. And you should be thankful that the one, the one thing you couldn't do for yourself, I did for you. So be thankful in your freedom. Because in today's Memorial Day, I... Probably every little boy's dream to grow up and be in the military, you know, whatever. I, I went and talked to a recruiter. I always wanted to be an F-14 Tomcat fighter pilot. And do you know what they told me? You, 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 you will not believe this. This will go to show you how old I am. They told me I was too tall. You're too tall. I'm five foot ten. Yeah, too tall. The, the cockpit for that is designed for people that are five foot eight and shorter. Uh, Brother Meyer might know this, some of the other people that have been in the military. Most fighter pilots are short. Because the cockpits are so, and uh, they, they change that with some of the newer planes. You see, you're too tall. And by the way, you're an only child. And you, you know, they asked you what your future plans were, and I told them, you know, God wants me to be a missionary and serve him, and so. Long story short, too tall, only child, they don't want to get me killed. And I'm a ministerial student, so they don't want to get, they really don't want to get those people killed. They said, you, you'd never see. I mean, you would be literally the last person to go. Long story short, obviously, I didn't serve in the military. But I'm thankful. For the liberty that they gave. I wanted, I wanted to show my thankfulness in that way. And obviously, God had different plans, and that's fine, that's great, and that's dandy. Paul says you're free for free. God made you free so you could be free. All of the other examples and stories and illustrations that I told you in the book of Galatians, Paul says. He's your father. Because you're free. And because of everything that he's done in you. Because of the relationship that he, you have with him and he has with you. Go live the way that he wants you to live. Go live the way that you think he wants you to live. Not the way that you want to. And stop perverting and frustrating. You know, there are people out there that they look at the church. And when I say church, I mean religion probably more than the church as we understand it. And they're confused. They're frustrated. 
But they, they've been muddy in the water. Well, I thought you had to do this. Nope, you don't have to do that. Well, what about when after I, I mean, after I get saved? Again, well, you know, God loves you. God loves you so much. Now get saved. And once you get saved, you've got to follow all these rules. Think about that for a second. Why in the world would you ever want to get saved? If after you get saved, you've got to follow all these rules. When in my standing right here, we tell them that God loves them. And they don't have to follow the rules. Does that make any logical sense? Well, it frustrates, it perverts, it confuses the gospel. People aren't getting saved. People aren't growing. People are, are they come to church and they, they do get saved and they start coming to church and then something bad happens and they quit. What is that? Last time I knew, 80% of kids Pastors, missionaries, evangelists, full-time Christian workers, 80% have at least one kid that doesn't serve God. And I, I understand that kids in the free will. We all go free will. I'm not blaming anybody, but I'm just saying 80% is an awful lot. I understand it's never going to be, you know, 0%. Well, what about something hard happens in their life? Listen, I told you something hard happens. Happened in my life, and I got thrown under the bus by everybody. I got thrown under the bus by my family. I got thrown under the bus by my friends. I got thrown under the bus by other pastors that they said, well, you know, you're... And if you think, God, that at least I was the beginning of having a relationship with him that I needed to have to get me through that. What did David say? When he was in the cave, and Saul was after him. And his own, those 400 men that said, David, we want me to be your, your leader. They turned on him. There was nobody left. David encouraged himself. you got to have a relationship. If you, I promise you this. I promise you this. If you don't have a relationship, and when that day, that day's coming, kids, young people, that day is coming. If you don't have a relationship, you're going to quit. You can follow all the rules you want. You can do everything that your parents want you to do. If you don't have a relationship, you're going to quit. And what I don't want to do as a pastor, what I don't want to do as a father, what I don't want to do as a Christian is pervert and tarnish and confuse and twist the gospel which is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, and we are thankful that you allowed us to come this morning and gather and worship, Lord.